20 square blocks. 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 20 square blocks. Square. Okay, Joe, we're here in Sturt Street. Uh, it's a beautiful day, Friday. Tell us what's going on. Every Friday afternoon for the last three years, we've been coming to the corner of Sturt and Lydiard Street and demonstrating uh, about action on climate change. Do you expect any pushback today? Oh, probably. Although we've been, we've been doing this for three years now and we're finding that we're getting more and more supportive toots because we've got a sign um, honk for climate action and less and less abuse, but we, we, still get, we still get abuse. And what's it feel like when you get that toot? Oh, it feels fantastic. It really does. Maybe we're getting somewhere. Maybe there's hope. You might have heard about the global movement called Extinction Rebellion. They aim to get the government to respond urgently to the climate crisis. Joe Boyne joined the group because he wanted to make a difference to the planet's future for his grandchildren. Where did you grow up exactly? I grew up in Geelong. Right. Born in Holland. Came out when and I was born three. born in Holland? Hmm. Came out when I was three by myself. You don't remember Holland? Very little. Very little, yeah. Uh, I went to Ag College in Horsham. I'm guessing Longrenong. Longrenong, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So what did you study there? Uh, just Ag Science. It was only just the one, the one course. So Agricultural Science, three years. Mm-hmm. And then when I left there, I went to work as a quality controller at Peter's Ice Cream in Melbourne. What happened? Yeah, yeah. You don't go there to learn to make ice cream. No, there weren't any openings that um, are available to me at the time, but um, the the laboratory at Peter's Ice Cream was. So uh, I worked there for a couple of years. Right. Okay. And um, uh, yes, uh, married married my wife. We went overseas for a while, came back and uh, moved to Wagga because that's where she comes from. And um, while I was there, I did a dip ed. So that qualified me to teach. And then I got a job as a teacher in Goulburn, so we moved up to there. You went overseas for a while, you said, too. Where did you go? We, we did a working holiday in Europe. How long was that for? So um, that was for a year. We joined up with a, um, an organisation called Mayday Farm Service in, uh, in Britain. And so as soon as we landed in London, we went to the Mayday offices and said, we're here, you got a job? Uh, no, nothing at the moment, nothing at the moment. Keep going in every few days. No, nothing at the moment. Uh, got a place here, but it hasn't got any accommodation. You, have you got your own accommodation? No, no, no. Keep going back to there. And then the place we were staying, uh, there was a young couple leaving and they were selling their combi van. So um, we bought it. Right. <laughs> Went back into Mayday and uh, they saw us coming and they said, hey, we found a job with accommodation. <laughs> There we, go. we stayed in the, on that farm. It was up in Yorkshire, but uh, even though we didn't need it for that job, buying that van was the best thing we ever did. The van that we had happened to be a Dutch van, left-hand drive, etc. A Dutch registration, oh, that's just... even though we bought it in England. And, and and as you know, I'm Dutch. Yeah, I do speak a reasonable amount of Dutch. Right. Is, um, that, is that a good thing? That it's a Dutch van, or is that a bad thing? Oh, no, it was good. Okay, it was good. good. But we happened to be in Holland uh, camping under a, or near a, a bridge just off the road. Um, and we knew that camping, um, free camping in Holland is definitely forbidden. Um, but we had run out of options. Uh, we were in between towns and we thought, I'll blow it. 
we'll just we'll just park here. Nobody will see us. We're not doing any anybody not. any harm. Yeah, be fine. So we went to bed, and um, knock 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 on the window at about one o'clock in the morning, and there are two policemen standing there, and they were saying in Dutch, "You're not allowed to camp here." And all of a sudden, I couldn't speak Dutch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, "Gay mate, etc., etc." And the, and they, they, for some reason, couldn't speak English, which is pretty unusual in Holland. Yeah, uh, they just kept trying to impress on me in Dutch. They were saying very clearly, I, I could hear them, "You're not allowed to camp here. You just not. This is not allowed in Holland. You can't camp here." And uh, and they were, they were waving to the environs, and I and I was saying, "Yeah, great spot, isn't it, mate? Yeah, really good." <laughs> and. And eventually, with the effect of bloody stupid Australians, they left. <laughs> so you could actually understand every single thing they said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. <laughs> were you uh, were you nervous the first time you um, you came down here? Oh yes, I definitely was, um, because uh, it's it's a little little bit scary sort of going out and confronting people, but uh, I I find now that I often if people are are concerned I encourage them to come along with us and then uh, just stand and watch. So they can just watch from the side, and when they're ready, they come on to the crossing. And uh, it's, it's very comfortable. Thank you. I saw you across the road from where I work, and you, you were riding something on the footpath. So I thought, who's this young punk? <laughs> then you got closer and saw all the wrinkles. I'm, I'm not exactly young. Um, and that's, that's part of, part of what I'm on about because I've got four grandkids and I'm concerned about them as, in terms of the environment. Across the road from you is, uh, the office of the Minister for Resources. So we were, we've been trying to talk for, uh, a number of months and she hasn't been responding to our requests. So we've started to write messages in chalk on a Friday night uh, outside her office. Now you haven't got the megaphones yet. No, not yet. No. Are you no. thinking about it? No, there's no point because... Because I've got a megaphone, I can lend it to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's no point because in the last few weeks, uh, a sign... Of, we've always noticed that her office is closed on a, on a Friday afternoon. The last few weeks, uh, there's been a note um, on the door, printed on the door, saying uh, this office is closed due to, um, uh, to programmed protest. That's yours. Then I must be. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at least we're being noticed. But it'd be, it'd be nice if we could talk to her because we don't really, we'd much rather talk than hassle. Right. So you, you've made attempts to actually speak to this person. Oh, many attempts, yes. And yes. I imagine from the way you conduct yourself when you're protesting that it would be a very polite conversation. Yes. 
Yes, we 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 just want to um, make the the point that uh, uh, we have concerns, and a lot of people have concerns, and um, we'd like to know what the government's point of view is, considering that they do admit that there is a a climate crisis, and how come they're still continuing to develop new sources of uh, of the pollution that caused the crisis. So you want to obviously see a reduction in the coal that we're using. Hmm. Yes. Is Coal and gas and, and oil. Right. So in a nutshell, what's a solution? Well, the solution is to, um, to get our energy from renewable sources like uh, solar and wind are the main ones. Uh, there's also there's tidal power, which is being uh, t- seems to be a bit more elusive. A tidal power. Yes. Well, wherever wherever there's a way, there's enormous power in um, in um, the water that flows into a harbour, for instance. If you, you get huge currents, for instance, going through the rip going into Melbourne, and uh, if that energy can, if those um, currents can be used to to turn a turbine. Uh, that's the principle of it. Like just where it comes in. Mm. But also waves. Over in um, Western Australia, Perth, they have a, a desalination plant, but that desalination plant is run by wave energy, right, uh, unlike, unlike the one that we've got in Victoria here, which is powered by coal. Obviously, the amount of renewable energy we have wouldn't be enough, though, to supply the energy we need. Not at the moment. But it can be, it can be. And the thing that makes me very annoyed and uh, people sometimes wonder why uh, in the demonstrations that we do we're always smiling, that's only external, uh, because in actual fact I am furious. I am furious because the, um, the, the lack of action, the unnecessary lack of action over the last 20 years, since we've really known that this is happening, by now, we could have been fully uh, renewable worldwide without a problem. But some very rich people would have lost a lot of money. What other things have Extinction Rebellion been doing? Well, we, um, we go to council meetings and ask, ask questions. For a while, uh, last year, for about six months, there was a, um, a campaign trying to encourage the NAB bank to stop funding fossil uh, projects. Did that work? Um, they reduced it a little bit, but um, the, the staff were a little bit annoyed with us. They, they put on a security guard at the local NAB bank uh, just in Sturt Street, just opposite the hospital. And uh, we were hoping, hoping against hope, that the, the bank would make some, uh, some serious changes, in which case we were going to bake some cupcakes and take them into the staff <laughs> and say, hey, truce. <laughs> but we never did, but we, we just stopped. But you are a very polite society from what I've seen. Where our, our whole policy is, um, well, no politics, non-violence. Okay. And vi- violence inclu- non-violence includes not verbal uh, violence. Okay. I was in a rally in uh, in Melbourne um, a couple of years ago, uh, going through uh, the Extinction Rebellion had a um, a spring rebellion, so for a whole week they were disrupting traffic in in Melbourne. Police are arresting protesters in the city tonight as they do their best to shut down the CBD in the first wave of a week of demonstrations. 2,000 officers will have to be dragged away from their normal duties and into the operation to cover the demonstrations. 
deliberate disruption to a city struggling to get back on its feet post-lockdown. <laughs> Extinction Rebellion activists swarmed city streets. The disorder has been deliberately dramatic. Dozens of blanket-clad activists formed a makeshift mortuary outside Parliament. Spring Street brought to a halt during the peak hour protest. 68-year-old Helen Bowden was arrested and fined after police called on the protesters to leave the intersection. I'm resolute and feel very sure that this is the right thing to do. Energy company AGL also targeted over plans to build a gas import terminal at Crib Point. Lord Mayor Sally Cap is prepared to take on Extinction Rebellion. We cannot let them win. This is about uh, remaining undeterred. We were going, going along and there were, we were on the street. There were police either side, um, you know, making sure that we didn't get into up to any mischief and also keeping the traffic away from us. And there were some young blokes started to abuse the police. And one of the um, leaders of the, of the groups, straight away, they were everywhere, went up to these guys and said, no, that's a kind of violence and we don't do that. That really impressed me. I was still new to Extinction Rebellion at the time. Um, there were people who would uh, sit down in intersections. Uh, we all did that. And then the police would come along. They would allow us to stay there for 20 minutes, half an hour. And then they'd come along and say, OK, uh, the game's up. Um, you're going to have to go now. Anybody who's still sitting in five minutes will be arrested. So uh, the majority would then get up and go. Um, and, um, and the police would uh, arrest the, the rest. And uh, I remember one time at the end of that spring rebellion, I was sitting down there and I thought, I might stay. I might stay. Mm -hmm, risky. And then my, uh, my friend who was sitting with me said, OK, I think it's time to go, Joe. And, <clears throat> and I did. And I did. And um, I um, was telling my, my daughter who lives in Melbourne about that a um, couple of days later. And yeah. she said, oh, you chicken out, did you, Dad? <laughs> Does that bother you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we had an autumn rebellion the following year. Yeah. And um, when, uh, when I was sitting in the, in the intersection the, the next time, I didn't get up. And so, um, yeah, I was arrested and, um, and basically charged with obstructing traffic. And Paul Dowsley is with the protesters tonight. Paul, there have been multiple arrests. I counted eight, Mitch, at the intersection of Lonsdale and Swanston Street as the group and others uh, behind me here walked through city streets just before five o'clock. They lay down there in the middle of the intersection, would not move when given directions by police, so some were arrested, uh, carried off, including one grandfather of four. He told me it was the first time he's been arrested. So what happens then? You, you get taken down? Yes, and, uh, well, one thing, I was, I was interviewed by, the, uh, by a television station, but that's, that's the point when there's something exciting happening, like like blockade and arrests and that sort of thing, they do take notice. I was I was just taken away by some burly policemen, then handed over to some other uh, gentler ones and um, and interviewed and um, and charged. Right, they weren't too rough, were they? No, they didn't, they didn't hide their name tags. No, they no they didn't. They've learned. <laughs> no, the ones who took me away, they were two very strong guys who were just holding me by each bicep, and and they hurt. Yep, coming, um, coming so out. they were, you know, they were definitely wanting to 
make a, uh, a statement right. that they were serious, and there were two others sort of there in case I attacked the, the first two, right. uh, 73-year-old Joe. But uh, there you go. <laughs> anyway, then they passed me over to some, uh, some young policemen. I, I don't know. They were very young and very new. Right. And uh, anyway, they interviewed me and found out what I was on about and got as much information as they could from me, which wasn't much. Um, they tried to get me chatting about how this was all organised, etc. And of course, you don't divulge that. What do they want to know that for? Oh, so that they can find out who the maybe I would have told them who the the organisers were, or what the website was, or um, or the chat sites, or whatever. You know, maybe some phone numbers or whatever. But uh, no, because uh, we are trained as to what to do. When, when arrested, there is, a, there is a, a course, and I didn't have my phone with me or anything like that. The only identification I had was my wallet with, because I had to show, be able to prove who I was. I didn't, I didn't want to. And a $5 note. <laughs> like identification. Yeah, I know. So I wasn't a vagrant. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> um, so, so were you? Did you have to pay any money? Or were you charged? Well, you were charged. Uh, I was. I was charged with mm. obstructing traffic, and uh, and and I got a um, a fine, which I could pay, or if I wanted to take it to court. But I decided I'd done enough, so I paid the fine, and uh, and I left it at that. I, I figured I'd I had done enough for, for my first time. In your opinion, what's the chances that the human race will survive? <laughs> um, our quality of life, our quality of food has got to reduce because there are so many uh, species, animal and plant species, dying out, becoming extinct. And we rely on every one of those for some sort of balance in our, in the natural system. And it's the natural system that keeps our, enables our farms to keep going and therefore our food supply. And we don't fully understand how each of these species that is becoming extinct, uh, affects the balance. But when things start to go wrong, then we'll, we'll know that that must have been something to do with one of them, and we may never know which one. Of course, we don't know anything about what the balance is because we've continually introduced species to all these different places. Yes. I don't think it's ever worked out well. No. No. <laughs> and diseases. Oh, this will wipe out the rabbits. No, it didn't work out. No, no. So realistically, we're not going to get through it. There are still lots of things that we can do. We can actually, we can actually draw down what's what's called draw down. We can, we can get a considerable amount of that carbon dioxide that's up in the atmosphere, and reuse it. Um, the the biggest hope is for what's called regenerative farming, a total change in farming techniques, which is uh, which are being used already. But you've got to make the change in the first place. And you've got to believe in it. I see that there are all these solutions and ideas that we can do things with, mm. but, you know, I, I kind of think that uh, we tend to do things when we're in crisis mode or when things go wrong. I mean, yes. even though your group is out there, I think it's going to have to get to a point where we hit that tipping point. Mm. And then maybe we'll start to do something. The problem is if, the, if those tipping points arrive... Um, but when, it's too late. But when in the past has the human race ever gone, this could be a problem in the future, let's, let's work on it now. As much as I'd like to think that we're actually going to make it, 
history kind of says that we're not going to. I don't like to hear that. <laughs> I don't like to hear that. But uh, I, I do get pessimistic sometimes, but I, I have to go down fighting for the sake of the kids. I have to try. Thanks for listening to 20 Square Blocks. If you like the show, please do the things the podcasts ask you to do. Like, subscribe, review, and tell someone you know. Thanks to Joe Boyne and the Extinction Rebellion. And for further information, try ozrebellion.earth. Music by Ryan Goodwin. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Extra material written by Anne Murison. Editing by the irresponsible Ricky Cheno. And thanks to Joe Boyne for the use of his lounge room and glass of wine. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks. Next time on the podcast. Australian authorities estimate around 4,000 people are trapped on a beach in Malakuta by a fast-moving fire. So the sirens went off. I see the road that my house is on and there were fire trucks stationed up there because the fire can't come down that road. And 10 minutes later, those fire trucks came down the road. They didn't stay. Something's wrong. And then there was a massive explosion. And I looked up that road and I went, that's my house.